Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. Take me back to the day Yeah, when I was still your golden boy Back before you went away I remember blue skies Walking the block No Cell Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to the most extreme Menage of violence you'll ever experience Here in the extreme three-way dance I'm JT, and joining me as always in this menage Is Mr. Matt Souza Ms. Jennifer Smith, how are you both doing? Hello Hi, just fresh off the paddy wagon how about mm. you? Mm. Never want to end up in the Husko. No. <laughs> it's a bad place to be. Especially the mm. hardcore Husko, which, by the way, should be the name of an ECW show. It should have been, yes. Next week on Hardcore Husko. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of hardcore, on this show here, uh, we are just coming off Hardcore Heaven 1996. And we are barreling toward Heat Wave. But we have a little interlude. And uh, honestly, tonight's show isn't heavy on new content, guys. we got three episodes of ECW television we're going to cover, but a lot of it really was recapping Hardcore Heaven. So we're going to go through it. We'll see what else comes up along the way, and then we'll kind of prep ourselves for our next episode, which will really be a deep dive into Heat Wave. But uh, Matt, anything going on through your head here as we as we head into the summer of 96? Yeah, I, I mean, it, they've been trucking along. I mean, there hasn't been a ton of bad stuff which is, you know, I've always heard with ECW that, yeah, there's really good, but there's it's also offset with, with like, bad stuff that you'd see, too. But, I mean, I haven't really seen any of that since I've joined, and maybe, you know, maybe I just joined <laughs> the show at the right time, and I'm past all that, like, bad stuff. But, I mean, everything I've, I've seen so far has, I mean, at the very least, been, like, a baseline of entertaining. So, I mean, yeah, it's been great to watch this stuff. How about you, Jenny? Like, where's your mindset at right now in the summer of 96? You've been, you've been doing this now. We're two and a half years into our journey of ECW history. Like, what's been some of the biggest surprises that have popped up? You know, what's been some of the things that have been your favorites? You know, just, just kind of along the way, what's, you know, been the biggest, I don't want to say pluses and minuses, but just observations. Well, I think that um, being on Shane Watch uh, is my goal for this summer because I need to know what Shane Douglas is going to do. Like, mm. is he going to is he going to regress? Is he going to fuck it up? I've been loving him, you know, shockingly, and I'm worried. You know, I'm worried about him just not continuing to dial in to what he's done so far and like trying to do too much and like he's at a really good spot so i just want him to stay there 
and do well going forward. That sounds insane that I'm saying this about Shane Douglas, <laughs> but um, I really do feel that way. He's totally redeemed himself for me. Um, also, Mikey Watch is a thing because I really want Mikey um, to have some better stories or a story. And um, I think that the... I think that the Raven stuff is still fucking like top tier as far as storylines goes. Um, because like we've always said, the way they integrate and weave the storylines, we've got to the point where Sandman's son is worshiping Raven now. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, what the fuck actually. And that is awesome and amazing. Like, a year ago, why would you have thought that that's where we would be? You know, like this, this torn tail. Like it's every Raven just managed to up himself at every point, and so I gotta see what else he's got. I think the Mikey point's a good one too, because I was wondering if like one of the few negatives right now is I don't know what's called negatives, but we do seem to have like a handful of guys that deserve some sort of feud mm-hmm. not in a feud mm-hmm. like i feel like we for a while and i don't know maybe it's just revisionist but like as we went through 95 i feel like everyone up and down the card pretty much had a feud or something going on it does feel like we've slipped a little bit into like the big dogs have a feud and if you're not kind of in that mix at that time you're just kind of wrestling matches mm-hmm. whereas i feel like one of the strengths of ecw has always been that everyone kind of has something going on Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just like over amplifying what Mikey's been doing, but it feels a little bit even that way. Like, even though Sabu, I mean, I guess he's with RVD. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just Mikey sticking out my head. Well, but. he has the matches, mm. you know, but it's just not a story unless you right. like put a story on it, you know? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the positives too, is that the roster is so good and they get so much time to, go out there and wrestle and, and the, you know, mm-hmm. guys that they have the talent that even when dudes aren't involved in storylines and they are just having the matches, like they still are having awesome matches and carrying themselves along. So it's not like they're just lost in the shuffle. Like Mikey's still out there having like three or four star matches with guys like Sabu. Amazing matches just feels directionless. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, it, it, it causes anxiety for me. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, we'll see if he gets back in the mix. I mean, it's it's interesting because he has been a guy involved in storylines the whole time we've been watching. Since, right. At least since, you know, initially, obviously, he was a jobber. But once he became a guy, uh, so maybe it's just like his time, right? Just to, to have a breather. We'll see how long that lasts. I think that's the big question. All right. Why don't we dive into the June 25th, 1996 episode of ECW Television. Joey Styles is in the ring. We get the opening from Hardcore Heaven 96. We then get the whole Baron Von Stevie Blue Dust and Raven segment in full from that show, <laughs> leading into our opening animation. Joey Styles is in the nest. He sets up what's to come a night ahead. Talks about all the feature matches from Hardcore Heaven that we'll be seeing tonight. We also get footage from a local show last night of an issue between Rob Van Dam and Sabu. Uh, Joey Styles then gets fed up with Joel Gertner's rambling, and we cut to the ring. We see Sandman come in and canes him, and that was a return of Bob Ortiz as the ring announcer. Again, this is all from Hardcore Heaven. Joey's then in the nest. He takes us to fan cam footage from Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. Have you ever been there, Matt? Plymouth Meeting? No, no, I have not. Never okay. even. That heard sounds of like 
<laughs> Sounds like something that should be in Massachusetts, huh? Yeah, it does, much. don't it? <laughs> Odd. Uh, but that is where Shane Douglas battled Sabu in a rematch from Heat Wave 94. They dug in the archives to remind us of that. <laughs> Paul Lee came out and he begged Sabu to wear a neck brace, and he obliged. We didn't get clips of the match where Douglas has spent the whole match targeting the neck uh, of Sabu, but Sabu hung in. RVD then came out and attacked Sabu. Douglas was loading up a top rope Banebuster. Paulie called for the match to be stopped, and the ref obliged and called the match. Then we saw Taz and Fonzie watching, laughing from the aisle as Sabu was stretchered out. So, Jenny, this is pretty good. I think it, again, continues to show Douglas in this role of a pure opportunist that he's been presented as. Like, he'll, he'll do whatever it takes to be on top, right? And it also shows that Taz is continuously trolling Sabu, trying to yes. force him into a match. It shows Sabu as being, you know, very gutty and nuts and continuing to wrestle despite how bad his body's broken. It shows that Paul cares about Sabu, which we've heard and seen a lot of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I just, so overall, for a quick bunch of clips, like this really hit on a bunch of key character traits and story story targets. Yeah, it looked like a banger of a match, really. Um, nobody was there. Like, fucking Sabu and Shane Douglas working their ass off. And there's like 12 people in this room. It's kind of nuts. Uh, <laughs> that's that's I, I one of the weirdest parts of ECW. It was like, yeah. mm-hmm. all these like dream matches. And this goes back to like 94. But yeah. all these dream matches that just took place in these barns in the middle of nowhere for like right. hundreds of people. Like, you know, Matt, you weren't with us when we were in 95, but like we'd get matches like Benoit and Guerrero and Malenko mm-hmm. and like all these guys just killing themselves. Fucking you know, Cal Pastor hundred... or some shit. Right. <laughs> Cactus Jack, you know, just like going going nuts in front of like 100 fans and just like these dream matches occurring under everyone's nose that no mm-hmm. one even knew about. And yeah, like here's another one, right? You're like, I mean, I don't know if Plymouth Meeting Pennsylvania has more than 20 people in that. I was gonna <laughs> say there's probably like 30 people who live in the damn town. So. And Sabu does a stretcher job. Y'all, that's commitment. It's amazing. But it's awesome that they tape it, right? Because then then -hmm. it makes it worth it. It makes it worthwhile to do it. Um, So here's a couple of fun facts. Plymouth Meeting uh, was founded in 1686. Uh, The population as of the 2010 census, any guesses, official guesses? Oh, God. 1,088. Very low. Matt? Yeah, I'll go... Like 5,600, something like that? Close. 6,177. Mm. So still pretty t- tiny. Uh, but they are the home to a major head, like a headquarters of a major international company. Mm. Hmm. It's the U.S. headquarters of this company. Any guesses? Um, KY Jelly. Mm. Nope. I don't well, know if that's an international company. It might be U.S. <laughs> This is no, an international, international. KY is world renowned, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, this company is not U.S. based. They have a U.S. headquarters is what All I was right. trying to say. So oh, it's okay. it's Michigan. I'm thinking some sort of car company. Am I in, am I in the ballpark? It's, it's Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, sorry. Uh, um, huh. uh, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers headquarters. <laughs> Again, the Pittsburgh Steelers would be – you guys are not good at this. <laughs> it is Ikea. Ikea's U.S. Oh, headquarters okay. is in Plymouth, oh. Pennsylvania, which is crazy. You wouldn't think that. And it's actually – it is on the eastern end of Pennsylvania. It's down down toward the bottom of the state. It sounds like it would be like in the middle, like near like 
you know. Jordan how how does it football. sound like it's somewhere? It sounds like it should be uh, you know, <laughs> draw, draw it a blank, not um. What are the quick girls, guys? <laughs> You're terrible at this. The freaking people. What are they called? Amish? Amish. It should be an Amish country, like in the middle of the state. Plymouth <laughs> meeting. Sounds like it's, you know. Oh, Enos got to go to Plymouth meeting. <laughs> right? Time for Rumspringer. <laughs> Get the horse and buggy. Right. We need to leave. I really, I really am not happy with myself going down this path right now. <laughs> All right, any final thoughts on this little segment here in Plymouth Meeting? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I love uh, the big takeaway for me was that I love that they do these kind of angles at smaller shows. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it kind of helps, you know, in theory, you could get people talking. Oh, did you see what happened at this uh, Plymouth Meeting show in front of 40 people? You know, maybe right. they'll have 80 people the next time they go. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that they do these uh, big angles there. And it was effective segment. It helped everybody out. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really good stuff here. It was sick when Sabu went to that table. Also, mm-hmm. next time they go to the Amish paradise that is put in <laughs> Pennsylvania, not Michigan. All yes, right, we didn't I, get I, I, uh, <laughs> we didn't get Shane Douglas and Mikey Whipwreck in full from Hardcore Heaven, and then we get the big reveal when Stevie Richards brings Peaches back to the fold mm. for Raven to fuck, and uh, Sandman came out. He didn't give a shit. He's like, cool. <laughs> How awesome! <is> he? <laughs> Just pay your bills. <laughs> Joey then recaps uh, in the nest and wraps things up before we get our main event of Raven versus Terry Bam Bam Gordy, which was a shockingly really fun match, if you yes. recall. Mm-hmm. Last episode. So that wraps up that installment. Any uh, other comments before we move along? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, if we hadn't watched all this stuff before, this was pro- this was like a really good episode of TV. But right. I mean, uh, it's the problem you run into is that we see all this stuff. So uh, I-, I did watch the Baron Von Stevie segment in full again. So that was always great to see that. Uh, th- that should be on every episode of TV, quite frankly. Ah! I'd, I'd watch it every single week. But uh, yeah, this is a good episode of TV. It's just that it's stuff we've all seen before. All right, let's jump ahead a week then to July the 2nd, 1996, as we enter the second half of the year. Raven is in the park on a bench at night and says a father gives up a lifetime of chasing women, fast cars, and hedonism to bring a child to Earth. A month, a mother spends nine months with the baby in the womb, giving up cigarettes and alcohol and all her attention to bring the child to Earth. For 18 long years... 18 years, 18 years. They raise a child, catering to every whim, giving it whatever it wants, nursing, schooling, educational help, suffering at every turn, and gladly making sure the child is raised properly. But then they return to Raven for their salvation and absolution and benediction. The torturous parenting and childlike lessons meant nothing. Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Shannon Hoon, Kurt Cobain couldn't deliver the children from the torment, pain, anguish, and suffering that they spent an entire lifetime coming to grips with. The mind that controls the children is the mind that holds the future, and he is the salvation. And then in comes Tyler Fillington, Sandman's son, in a leather jacket and Raven shirt. He does the Raven pose and Raven's tagline as Raven giggles on the back, and Raven says he controls the children, or at least Sandman's child, that is. Uh, So, Jenny, I thought this was a phenomenal promo, as usual, from Raven, in a great setting, as usual, from Raven. Uh, We always love when we go to the playground and the parks and all the shit that he does this stuff in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we continue to push the buttons of Sandman. We're just getting really going in earnest with Tyler Fullington and Peaches and all this stuff. But, 
again, Ravens delivered some classics since he's arrived, and this is one of them. Uh, yes, I'm at the point in my um, parenthood where I've never connected more with a Raven promo. <laughs> um, where he talks about the sacrifice of the parents and, um, you know, and then, you know, he, he, he steals another man's child. And at this point, I'm like, you know what, Raven, just have him. You know, just just take them <laughs> at this point. Like, if he wants to worship you, just you know, <laughs> whatever y'all want to do. Like, have fun. So that's how I felt about this, and I thought Raven Raven was amazing, and I thought that Tyler was so fucking creepy. Like, oh my god, I, I thought he was like gonna like start puking like green bile and shit. Like he looked like. <laughs> He looked like the omen or some shit, but anyway, it was awesome, Maddie. Yeah, awesome promo from Raven. I mean, it just he, he's such a great shitbag. And like you said, I made the same note have I have the same note in my notes about Tyler being just creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, it just it just he whatever the wrestling bug is, he has it because man, he's got it. <laughs> he's really good at what he does, but. uh it's just so many great lines that Raven had here with, the, you know, the mind that controls the children is the mind that rules the future. And, you know, him saying that he controls uh, the children or at least Sandman's just pushing all of Sandman's buttons. It was just fantastic. And uh, the Shannon Hoon mention also popped me quite a bit. So, uh, yeah. Why don't you educate us, Matt, on who that is? Uh, he was the uh, now deceased uh, lead singer of Blind Melon, who oh. had passed away, I think right maybe like a year before uh that promo i want to say he died sometime in 95 but yeah he was the lead singer of blind melon who unfortunately passed away i think it was a, a some sort of overdose if i remember correctly but uh yeah th- that mention popped me and uh, a great promo from raven i guess he was really sad that there was no rain mm, that'll happen <laughs> the uh la queen says the uh, fathers give up a lifetime of uh, fast cars that eat it as well. <laughs> All men give that up to have children. Yes, yes. Fast cars that eat it as Yeah. Uh-huh. Alright, so we'll see where this continues to go, but this is another uh, top-notch installment in this whole saga and Raven's continuing mind games and mind control. And we've heard a lot about the mind control throughout all this too, and I feel like Again, this is one of the best examples that we're seeing of it, where he's just completely taken over the mind of Tyler Fullington. And also, that kid looks exactly like Peaches. Maybe that's why he looks so creepy, like a little vampire. Yeah, that'll do it. This is really his son, right? I think think so. so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. He's actually a wrestler. Oh, well, there you go. Well, he got into the business early, apparently. Does he do death matches? Uh, it looks like he just did a lot of um, indie stuff, like in the 2000s, like mm-hmm. ECW-type um, shows, like uh, legend shows type things. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much he still wrestles, but, I mean, he has Peach's son as well, Johnny, so that's why he looks like Yeah, him. yeah. There you go. All right, uh, so where are we at? Joey, uh, we get our opening animation. Joey talks about the deranged actions of Raven infiltrating the mind of Sandman's family. We then get some clips of Raven's match with Bam Bam Gordy, the post-match family drama, <clears throat> and we find out Raven and Sandman... Will, <laughs> this, is so, this is one thing, again, we, we didn't mention ECW earlier, whether it's a pro or con. A very in-depth, convoluted gimmick match mm. <laughs> that they mm-hmm. try oh, to be yeah. very innovative with. 
So we have a very interesting gimmick at Heat Wave as Raven and Sandman will wrestle inside a steel cage. Outside the steel cage, Tommy Dreamer and Primetime Brian Lee will be having a Falls Count Anywhere match at the same time as the cage match is going on. They can go in the cage if they want, but they'll start outside. And then starting on the Eagle's Nest by the st- like the staging area by the nest will be Terry Gordy and Stevie Richards. The first man to get to the floor gets a free pass into the cage while the other man has to climb up and in. If Stevie gets pinned, Raven will lose his title. I'm There's sorry, I didn't get that. Can you go over all that again? There's yeah. a lot. Okay, so Sandman and Raven will be having a match inside the steel cage. <laughs> While that is happening, right. Tommy Dreamer and Brian Lee will be having a false count anywhere affair Hang around on, the ring. Down. Around the ring. If they want to go inside, they can, but they will be starting outside the cage. Then, on the staging area by the Eagle's Nest where we've seen such infamous incidents as Tommy Dreamer getting thrown through a stack of tables. <laughs> Terry Gordy and Stevie Richards will begin to wrestle. The first to the floor off that staging will get a free pass into the steel cage <laughs> where Raven and Sandman are having their match. Whoever doesn't get to the floor first will then have the option to climb over the top of the cage and into the ring. Once the gentlemen are in there, not only if Raven gets pinned with his title on the line, but also mm-hmm. Stevie Richards on behalf of Raven. So if Stevie Richards is pinned, Raven loses his world title to the gentleman who pinned Richards. Thank uh-huh. you, Michael Buffer. You good with all and that? A par- and a partridge in a pear tree. Okay. So that is our big heat waves match. Uh, <laughs> a lot of heat, a lot of heat and anger involved in this. So Okay. We then get Pitbull 2 versus Chris Jericho from Hardcore Heaven in full. Joey's back at the Nefs. He recaps, recaps Jericho's win. He says Jericho will go on to win lots of titles in his long, illustrious career, but his first title was in ECW, and he'll always remember that. So I thought that was kind of a cool mm-hmm. call out by Joey. Mm-hmm. Joey's in back in the Nest again. He sets up the big Tommy Dreamer Brian Lee match. Also talks about the brewing issues inside the Dudley family with Big Dick and Devon. They were partly spurned on by the trolling of the FBI and Salvatore Balomo during their match at Hardcore Heaven. And then. We get Tommy Dreamer and Brian Lee in full from Hardcore Heaven to wrap the episode. So, Matt, any other thoughts on this episode? Uh, I did have a most 90s award for Shannon Hoon, but uh, (laughs) for the Shannon Hoon mentioned. But, yeah, uh, the rules for that cage match are completely ridiculous uh, to the point of absurdity. Like, if you need five slides to explain the rules for the match, (laughs) it's probably a little much. But, uh, yeah. Especially since they were probably designed in, like, MS Paint. (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. That, that takes a while to make. I mean, it's not like it's PowerPoint or anything, but uh, yeah, that was all I had. So there was sort of like a hidden gem Joey promo in this episode because he starts talking about how disgusting Raven is and stuff, and he just like really goes in and um, just talks about him um doing mind control on tyler and blah 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 you know he like really goes mm-hmm. into it i thought it was like really good i'm like damn joey just cut a promo well angry joey is the conscience of ecw as always I that's kind of what he's at against <laughs> when he's espousing thoughts on like some of the awful bullshit that happens on these shows so i think that's it's always well done when he gets like deep in the weeds on stuff and gives social commentary and not just like play by play and i think it's what made joey you know, he's not just calling the action, right? He kind of embodies, like, mm-hmm. what the fans are supposed to think. 
which I think is a key way to approach a program like the way ECW does, because so much of it happens in an area that like a ton of his viewers aren't going to go to or see, you know, like they're not touring around right at this point. So it's like he helps drive the narrative of the storylines wonderfully because the show is kind of chopped up. There's pieces from all over the place sewn together. Like it's, it's not a concurrent live program. Right. So I think having him help tell those stories and he'd be so believable and emotional about it without feeling heavy handed makes him one of the really, you know, probably biggest MVPs of the promotion. Oh, a hundred percent. And he's, he's just like, he's just so steady and Mm -hmm. he's not, I mean, he gets excited, you know, and calls things over the top, but like, he is just a real person in the midst of all this insanity. So we just like have to cling to him as like (laughs) the only thing that makes sense. Explain it to (laughs) me, Joey. Fix it, Joey. You know? That's the thing. uh, That's the thing about him that always uh, struck me is that he was telling these stories by himself all the time. Like he was, Mm -hmm. he was play by play and he was color guy. So he was doing both. Like, you want and to he's kind of like the Gene Oakland too, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's not right. really doing it all. He's like, he is the microphone. It's <laughs> crazy. But yeah, he's just, he's very underrated as like one of the best all time, like announcers ever period. Oh so. uh, yeah. I, I cannot agree with that more. Uh-huh. All right. Let's jump ahead then uh, into July 9th, 1996. We get a recap of the end of last week's show where primetime Brian Lee threw Tommy Dreamer through a table stack off the uh, Eagle's Nest. We then had a long follow-up of Tommy being attended to. We get to see Todd Gordon in the tank top as Tommy was- <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, that was a, a great scene we talked about in a previous episode. Uh, Joey's then in the nest. He talks about all the huge stuff going on in ECW right now. A lot of big happenings. He hypes up Heat Wave 96. It's going down this weekend. The main event is the Rage in a Cage six-man tag. Tommy is then in the nest as well. He's wearing shades. He's bandaged up. And he said he let Raven escape last year. But this year, the ante's upped. And he guarantees he'll take Lee to a new level of extreme. And again, this is another positive ECW. And that's kind of been the theme tonight, right? Talking about what we'd like about the promotion as we go through this. Is they're not afraid to dig in and leverage and reference, like, the extreme history. And extreme in a different way, right? Like, distant history and past as well. Like, in our last episode, we noted that they called out that Dreamer, I mean, uh, Douglas and Sabu wrestled as a rematch of Heat Wave 94. Mm-hmm. And now Tommy talks about what happened to Heat Wave 95 to refresh us. Mm-hmm. And even if it does nothing else but remind us that this was a feud between Dreamer and Raven that's been going on for a year, like that accomplishes, like just that one thing enough is like enough for this promo to mean something to me. Right. Like, even if it doesn't do anything else, it reminds us that God, this feud has really gone on that long and honestly even longer, but, and it brings gravity to the importance of a show like heat wave. Like, Hey, remember two years ago, Shane Douglas and Sabu fought. Hey, remember a year ago, Tommy Jr. Raven had this war. So it just adds like extra credence and legitimacy when they delve into the history and they're not hiding from it. And for a promotion that has as much churn as they do, I think it's important to do that and take that approach versus trying to hide stuff because guys aren't there anymore. Cause then they wouldn't talk about anything because everyone leaves. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And, uh, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, a dramatic Tommy promo mm-hmm. with, 
he starts with his back to the camera and slowly turns. And then there's like a crooked ass, like raggedy bandaid on his forehead and like tape on his nose and shit. Looks like shit. But, um, yeah, this was good shit. Yeah, I agree. Another great promo. Uh, Dreamer is a very good promo. I love how his face was all beat to shit from all the <laughs> the beatings he's been taking over the past few weeks. It's just it, it's a, a neat touch from him. And, you know, you know, like you said, the crooked band-aids and then his, he's got his back face in the camera and he just he he makes you believe he makes you believe that he believes what he's saying. If you know what you know what I mean? Like he's just he's very serious with what he's saying and it works for him. So. Yeah, I, I enjoy a Tommy Dreamer promo, and this was no exception. So good stuff here. All right, Joey's back in the nest. It's up our next match. He says the Gangsters is the most popular team in ECW history. Jenny, as an ECW history buff, do you agree with this statement? <laughs> I would say no. Um, Popularity-wise, I feel like... Public Enemy is probably more popular. Mm. Does that sound right? I think at this point, I would agree with you. We'll see if the gangsters usurp that. But I think right now, they haven't really been faces for long, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's tough to say that they're the most popular right now, given it's just been not super long that they've been top faces. With Public Enemy, were the top act in the promotion for like two years and beloved. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, do the gangsters get the send off public enemy got? I don't know. And I feel like they're much more sporadic. Um, like, they've been pretty constant lately, but before this, they were not around for a while. So, in my mind, they still have to build up a little bit more. You know, they still need right. some good matches. And, and the matches probably are not as good, maybe. I know we kind of feel differently on that maybe well, i prefer the gangsters yes i to, know to mm-hmm. much of public enemy um but that said i would i can't sit here and say the ecw crowd has been more into the gangsters than they were public right. enemy yeah. but what also doesn't help is most of the gangsters matches on the on peacock and the network are dubbed over right because they're playing yep. natural killers the whole time mm-hmm. so we don't really ever get to hear the majority right. of the pops for gangsters. So that was a big, that. that was a big part of the gangsters stuff was right. hearing natural born killers fire <laughs> up. Cause you knew shit was about to go down. As soon as you heard that music, that was well, a, that, might be relying on music a little bit more. more than yeah. But it plays the whole match. So my point is like, we don't get the authentic crowd pop mm-hmm. a lot of, for a lot of these matches. So right. even if it played a role, it didn't just in our viewing, we don't get to hear them fully react. Like mm-hmm. we did. Enemy, if that makes sense. Anyway, it's reaching, but I feel you. I don't think so. Are there any other teams that you would have in this mix? Mm. Oh, that this uh, is the two two horse race, your most popular team. I mean, if we're talking popularity, then I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah, I I would think it's Public Enemy and and the Gangsters. I don't know who else would it be. Like- the pit, uh, the pit bulls, bulls maybe, yeah, pit bulls. But, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and they've yeah, been they've pretty been over for a while too. Yeah. And and number two has really been wowing me lately. But and honestly, though, before that, a lot of the teams we saw were like thrown together teams, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the stupid Bruise Brothers. <laughs> like we haven't had a lot of. Uh, Why are they not in the mix? Yeah, how could we forget? Uh, 
Yeah. And we had stuff like Benoit Malenko and, and right, Scorpio yeah, yeah. and Sandman, right? Like teams that have been put together, but we didn't have like a ton of real teams in the mix. Right. So anyway. We're told tonight that the gangsta is the most popular. Eliminators and Bruce Brothers from Hardcore Heaven, including the Samoan gangsta, but they're not the most popular. Samoan gangsta party attacking the gangsters. We then get Rotten and Myers versus Samoan gangsta party. That includes the gangsters attack as well. Joey's in back of the nest, and he says that Heat Wave 96 will have a four-corner tag team match with, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, four-corner tag anyone match, not tag team, tag anyone match with Shane Douglas, Chris Jericho, Pitbull 2, and Scorpio for the TV title. Hot so damn. this is kind of our mm-hmm. first ever real four-way dance type match, right? ECW kind of invented the three-way dance and the mm-hmm. slash triangle match, but this is really, I think, our first four corners match. Joey runs out all the credentials. He hypes it up. He gets he gets a Marcus Bagwell dig in along the way. <laughs> he also breaks down Rage in the Cage again for us. If we I guess we couldn't follow the first. Could you times. Uh, tell me those again? Yeah, uh, from that, that bias again. I think you just probably. Um, rewind but uh what, what did you think of this match matt when this was announced here this four-way for the tv oh it's, it's awesome on paper i was all all kinds of jazzed up for it and uh, the fact that it's an elimination match I, for me uh, makes it all the more exciting because I, I think for a match like this it kind of needs to be elimination style i've never been a big fan of like the the fatal four-way just one fall ends it type of stuff i like the elimination style more so i was and on paper, it looks awesome. Uh, Shane, Jericho, Scorpio, Pitbull, too. I mean, like, if, if that match isn't a banger, it's a huge disappointment. So I am all kinds of fired up for it. Jenny? Yeah, I mean, fucking, what the hell? <laughs> what do you want? It's, it's going to be awesome. And the matchups, you know, and yeah, I... I Pitbull number two being in there, I feel like makes it spicier, you know, mm. like they could have, they could have done it with just maybe the other three, but I really love that they put him in there. And then there, everybody has beef with everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. so lots of story and just a lot of potential for that match. And it's a, it's a good culmination of the hot potato you've seen over the TV title over the past right. couple of weeks and months. It's everybody that's, held the title pretty much so well and that's what i was gonna ask too though like was there anyone else you would have had in here that wasn't in here well hmm. my dumb ass will put mikey whipwreck i was gonna uh, yeah i was thinking mikey just but he hasn't really been involved in the in the tv title picture. i know but i would just do it just to put him somewhere hmm. <laughs> who are you taking out um pitbull right but i i mm. I, I would Shane and Scorpio are integral to the TV title stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll make it a five corner match. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. At a fifth corner to the ring somewhere. I think from a story point of view, we get the best four. I mean, I think they've all been really tied oh, into yeah. the title. Mm-hmm. They've all been feuding. Like, I think it, it makes sense to go this mm-hmm. way. If you're talking pure, just like to try and find a way to maybe make it a better match. You could probably swap Mikey and Philly Pitbull, but. All right, Joey's in the nest, hypes up Heat Wave some more. He says, fans in attendance get the first crack to then buy tickets for August 3rd, which will feature Rob Van Dam and Sabu in a stretcher match. Joey says, at Hardcore Heaven 96, it was sweltering hot past midnight and the rope broke, but not one fan accepted a mm. refund from the promoters. It was a legendary match in the industry that in the, in, in the industry that uses that term too loosely. 
You'll have to order the tape for the full match, but then we get the clips of that RVD Sabu match from Hardcore Heaven. So again, I think this is like brilliant sales stuff, yeah. right? From Joey at ECW to we'll give you clips. Everyone in the arena saw this match and they had a chance for a, a free ticket and refund. <laughs> but they said no because they were so happy with this product that you you'll even go and even if you will get your money back, you wouldn't even take it because the show is so good. So this is like perfect marketing. 100% uh ever the salesman is Joey Styles so but yeah it, it's it's a great way to sell VHS tapes it's a great way to get people in the arena you know if you want to see the full match you better sh- your ass better be here on August uh August 3rd so yeah it's it's good marketing by uh Joey Styles and by ECW so and then I was right. reminded by how much that match was like really awesome uh yes yes it was the whole feud's been great mm-hmm. So continue to play out. And that brings us to our Pulp Fiction here tonight. We get Raven in the park with Stevie Richards. He says if Stevie loses his belt, he'll condemn him to eternal damnation. <laughs> <laughs> and then Stevie just says, I won't. <laughs> Perfect. I love that Raven has the ability to do that. Condemn him. <laughs> Raven says he won't survive his wrath. And Stevie, Stevie goes, what does that mean? Uh, <laughs> Stevie's reactions are just as good as like Raven's. Uh. He's so good. Uh, Blue Dust is with his chick, who tells him what to, he'll do, uh, whatever the hell he wants. Dreamer is with uh, Terry Gordy, says he'll kick ass in 1996 for ECW. Stevie tells Raven that Gordy has died twice, and Raven says he wishes he could feel that type of pain. <laughs> Dreamer says Raven will feel so much pain he wishes he was dead. Scorpio says he'll carry the respected ECW TV title again. Pitbull 2 and Francine talk about the ECW TV title, and he apologizes to Francine for what happened. Douglas gets stitched up, says that he wasn't hardcore extreme enough, but he was busted and bleeding and sweating, and Pitbull 2 is the one who drew the first blood. He makes a second call for blood. Jericho has something he wants. Scorpio is a non-factor. He tells the doctor to call the hospital to tell him he's coming because he doesn't want to stand behind any welfare recipient or homeless pieces of shit because he has insurance and he gets paid damn well. And every time he takes a needle in the face, he'll remember Pitbull Anthony because this is a shoot. Jericho talks up the legacy of the TV title and his big defense. He'll give respect and dignity to the belt. Todd Gordon's in his office. He has a big announcement, but in comes Stevie Richards. He says he has a new wrestler for ECW. And in comes Sir Meany, talking like Steven Regal. We then see the Samoa Gangsta Party talking about uh, being real gangsta Mac Daddies. The money goes home with them. Meany is dressed in army gear and crawls down the hall as Stevie threatens a Meany troll doll. And they play pretend army. Todd Gordon comes in and throws them out. Says that they better be cleaning up the mess. The gangsters talk shit to the Samoans. Richard says he feels he's starting to annoy Gordon and then brings in blue dust as Todd gets even more aggravated. Stevie says he lives in every alternative lifestyle in the business. Stevie leaves as blue dust crawls on Todd's desk and blows a kiss. Todd calls for Stevie. The gangsters give a warning. Stevie pontificates like Raven and says Raven will destroy Sandman's family and he has one of his own and we will see Peaches and his son. Son says, uh, Tyler says he knows what a father is supposed to be like now that he has Raven. And Peaches says she waited two years to get his revenge and she has gotten her ex-husband. So uh, lots to digest there, uh, Maddie. What do you got? What do you think? Boy, you are not lying. This this was a whole lot. Uh, Terry Gordy, apparently a more muscular stone cold because, I mean, he sounded just <laughs> like him. He it, did. Was un- it was unbelievable. Uh, I like that uh, uh, Dreamer was uh, saying that Lee will wish he was dead while he was rocking a House of Pain shirt. That was a nice touch. 
Um, the the Ken Patera Bruce Pritchard Jamoke that wanted Shane Douglas to get to a hospital. Like, <laughs> just just uh, come on, we gotta get to a hospital. Like, no, he doesn't want to go. <laughs> he, take the hint, dude. He, he's cutting a promo here. You'll have to wait. Uh, Blue Meanie, uh, the worst British accent I've ever heard. Um, you know, JT, God bless you for being able to pick up exactly what the Samoan gangster party were saying because <laughs> I tried even with subtitles and I had no fucking idea. <laughs> oh, uh, great, thank you. Yeah, want to do another take of that? No, that's good. We're fine. Good lord. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just like again. <laughs> And uh, Tyler with the the savage line saying that he knows what a, what a father is supposed to be like. Yeah, just awesome Pulp Fiction segment. Maybe my favorite one so far. It's just so much happening and yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah, I was going to say this might be the best Pulp Fiction um, so far. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that the... Samoan gangster party was a member of a robe family. He mm. was rocking a sweet little silk robe. That was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and goddamn Shane can't even get stitches without just cutting a fire promo. <laughs> just like dude, just like fucking with him, and he's just sitting there just spouting off into like getting heated again. It was awesome. Like he, it just he just spouts his bullshit. It just it just makes it sound good, you know, and. He just does it so believably. He looked amazing. Um, I really like seeing Todd Gordon's office. Now, that is a callback in and of itself because we used to get little um, videos of Todd in his office. Mm -hmm. But we haven't in a real long time. Um, There's a lot more plaques on the walls and uh, (laughs) a lot more um, newspaper framed up on the walls. So things are going well for Todd, but... I really loved Stevie marching, um, you know, Blue Dust and and Sermenian and auditioning him for these roles. Uh, I mean, it was pretty great. And I lost it when Peaches at the end was just like, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what she that's what we left the episode on. It's just. Mm-hmm. I've waited two years for the Sandman. Gotcha. I just fell out. It was <laughs> perfect. So that leaves us in pretty good shape for Heat Wave. You know, we've talked about the big matches. We have the Rage in a Cage. We have the big four-way for the TV title. And we haven't heard about much else. And I, I think that's kind of fine, honestly, because those two matches alone should be more than enough to get people in the building. Like, that is t- six mm. of – or I'm sorry – uh, 10 of your stars, top stars in two huge matches on the show with a lot of stakes and a lot on the line. So, like, that is some big-time stuff to get you hyped for this event that we'll be covering in two weeks' time. Uh, and one last thing about Whole Fiction, too. The beauty of it and the way they go about it is so well done because even on these shows where it's all clips, and yes, we've gone over this many times, right? Like, not everyone has seen these, so this is still fresh TV for them. But for those that may have been in attendance and watching it back, you're still getting something new that's going to push the storylines ahead. And it's done in such a simple and effective manner that it's like a four minute, you know, compilation of quotes. And like, you don't need more than that because this promotion has characters and feuds that are so well defined and clear. Like all you need is a little bit more hype to get excited for them. So you don't need a ton of selling involved. It's it's genius. And why don't we do this? You know? It needs right. to be, let's bring it back. 
You want to bring it back to the North South, just like uh, Pulp Fiction of all the podcasts for the week? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You, vol- you volunteering to do that? I'm in. All right. Very good. <laughs> Anything for North South. That's right. All right. Speaking of North South, be sure to follow us on social media, facebook.com slash North South Connection. And of course, we're dropping shows almost every day here on the North South. We dive, <laughs> diva. We deep dive into all aspects of pro wrestling across all time and space. Uh, most of our shows are evergreen, so you can tune in anytime. If you miss a couple, you can catch back up. But we really dive into you know all different kinds of time periods, right down to this era of ECW. It's a podcast network that I'm extremely proud of. It you know very rarely has misses in the content. Everyone churns out high quality stuff. They're responsible for it. They continue to pump it out at a, at a hot clip. And, you know, we're coming up on the two year anniversary soon, early next year. But as we wrap up our second full year here in 2021, again, just super proud and thankful for everyone who's involved in this, uh, in this podcast network, both of you guys for this show and everything else we got going on and all the fans that listen and all the feedback we continue to get, et cetera, et cetera. So, just really cool that this continues to be um, a thing for us. And with Christmas around the corner, just wanted to take a moment to say thanks to everyone that's helped make this feed successful. Everyone that rates us and reviews us, everyone that shares and spreads the word. And if you continue to do so in 2022, I will be very continuously thankful as well. Matt, anything you want to talk about before we wrap up? Yeah, you can find me on my show piece of the action over on the place to be nation pop experience. Uh, should be the Christmas holiday spectacular should be out by the time you're hearing this featuring the gang from PTB NXT, including one Jennifer Smith, where we live watched Terminator three. And that was a fun time and uh, should be a new episode of popcorn chicken salad out by the time you're hearing this as well, where we had a full crew on that show for the first time in months. And we watched home alone three and, uh, Mm. Uh, that uh, th- that is quite the show. Very uh, uh, popcorn chicken salad, Top Gun esque, if I say so myself. So uh, definitely give that a listen. And you can find me on the Twitter machine at msusa 1991. Number one, um, you almost made me cry because that was very sweet, and I echo everything that you said about North South. It's awesome, and um, I love the show. And you know, it's. Y'all are stuck with me for a long time because now I'm, I have to watch everything ECW. So sorry <laughs> about that. And listen to that piece of the action Terminator 3 because that shit was funny as hell. <laughs> and some more funny shit is on my feed. It's called The Jenny Position. Um, shows include You Heard About Pluto, which is really fun. And there are new episodes of that it's coming very soon, as well as Freak Out Drive In. Should have been an episode with Nate Milton watching Blade. And um, hopefully Geek, Geek and Sassy will be returning very soon as well as the journey through infinity. You can find all that linked on my Twitter at Jenny Position and my Facebook page. All right. And this is our final episode here of this podcast in 2021. Matt, it's been a good year. You know, we brought you on board as John stepped away from the endeavor. It's, it's been fun to have you here. Looking forward to a whole nother year of extreme action in 2021 and 22 so everyone that listens to this show have a great holiday rest of your holiday season a great new year's and we'll talk to you in 2022 stay extreme
It's not same. It's not same.